Welcome to the Third Season Podcast. Welcome to the Post-Human Podcast. Today's guest, the legendary American actor, director, writer, comedian and producer, Larry Hankin. So how are you today, sir? So far, so good. You know, I'm just uh, staying away from homo sapiens and I'll be fine. <laughs> That's probably one of the best answers I've had to the start of a show. I, I can agree with you. Staying away from homo, homo sapiens is a, is a good thing to do sometimes. It, <laughs> it's, it can certainly reduce stress levels. Uh, so let's, get, let's crack straight in. Obviously, you have a huge body of work. Um, you know, there's nigh on 200 films, 197, if my researching was correct. Um, you have been in so many of my favorite films. Um, I'll reel off a quick list. Um, the, the One of my first ones I want to mention, because it's one of my dad's favorite films, uh, is Escape from Alcatraz. Um, we played Charlie Butts. Um, I'm a huge Clint Eastwood fan. A big, big fan of that film. Uh, obviously, you've tra planes, trains, and automobiles with Steve uh, Steve Martin. Uh, Home Alone. You know, you've been in uh, another one of my favourite um, comedies growing up as a kid, Billy Madison. Um, there's so many TV series you've been in. Uh, you know, ho Home. One of the ones that I will mention is Home Improvement. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a rarity. It was uh, I remember it from my childhood. Uh, you know, you've been in you've been in everything. Uh, Seinfeld. Uh, friends you can you can name it and you have been in it um a huge huge body of work and you uh, still continuing yeah, I, I i can't explain it i just i just went to auditions that that's like the the 60s and 70s and 80s well not the 60s the 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 80s and 90s all i was doing was auditioning so i, I it just mounted up and i didn't keep count and i didn't remember I, I didn't keep count of the shows, so now you have all the the detritus of my <laughs> auditions. That's a good word. That's a really good. That's a word that very rarely comes around. Um, I very rarely get to use it, but thank you for allowing me the possibility. So, um, I mean, obviously, when you started, what got you into acting? I mean, you've been around and been state. in the game. I, mean, I, don't want, I never have until this very moment talking to you. I never wanted to do any, anything really. Uh, well, I gotta, <laughs> I'm kicking my, my uh, wait a minute. There you go. Okay. Uh, I, I never really wanted to do anything. So I went to college to, uh, I got an, a degree in industrial design because my parents wanted me to support them in their old age you know get a right. profession and uh so i did that because i was a good son i was inculcated into honoring my parents so i did that but that was the last thing and, and that was a very conscious thing i said okay i'm going to go to college and then our deal is off you know <laughs> that's it i fulfilled my contract as a good son uh so i went to college i got my degree and then I uh, 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 got together with my uh, best friend at college, which is Carl Gottlieb, who wrote Jaws and all those yep. movies. Well, he didn't write them then, so we didn't know about all that. 
And I, I asked him where he was going after graduation. He said, he's going to Greenwich Village. He's going to become a writer. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. I didn't want to go to, uh, I didn't want to be an industrial designer. I really didn't want to be anything. <laughs> I just knew my contract was over with my parents. And so I said, all right, let's, let's go to Greenwich Village. Let's see what that's about. I had, I had gone to Detroit, uh, the college uh, and, and uh, Ford Motors. Wow flew me to Detroit to, to see the place, you know, Ford and Chevrolet. They got all the, I was an A student. I was really cool. Those are my paintings. I'm an artist, you know. Oh, wow. So, nice. so, uh, but what I, what I saw was, was I didn't, I didn't like what was there. I, I kept on saying the wrong thing. Like, uh, like I would pick up a piece of uh, a little car, a little plastic car that was on the designer's desks in Detroit. And, and I'd be looking at it. So the, the guy taking the, giving us the tour, the A students tour. And um, he said, oh, you really like that? And I go, no, actually I was picking it up and looking at it because I actually expected more from Ford Motors. I don't <laughs> think this is really that cool. And he goes, you don't like it. And I go, well, no, not really. He said, the head of the department designed that. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, okay. I said, okay. But in my head, what I said was, there's nothing I can say in this city that will be okay. Right, okay. <laughs> that, that there's, I don't belong here. <laughs> I, just, I mean, because I said a couple of other things where he kept on marking, oh, you don't like that, huh? <laughs> so when we got back, they said, send us your best students except Larry Hankin. <laughs> so I got the hint. So we went to Greenwich Village and I was just, uh, he was writing, Carl was writing and I was, uh, um, I was sweeping up duck boards in a bar from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And I thought it was the, the best job I could get. I, I really never looked back on, uh, you know, uh, Detroit. I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was great. You know, I was just, earning my, my keep and but I was going to uh, Monday night and Tuesday night open mic nights in, in Greenwich Village the coffee houses because well, okay. I, I had to wait to go to work at 2 a.m so I'd hang out at the coffee houses until I had to go to work and it was his open mic nights and I was voted funniest in high school two years in a row my junior and senior year and uh, so I thought hey I can do that wait a minute I'm, I'm funnier than those guys well, not so fast, Mr. Hankin. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's different, you know, making your friends laugh and making an audience, audience yes. laugh. It's two different animals. So, uh, but, uh, but my learning curve was pretty cool. I mean, I got, I said, okay, it's not as hip. I'm not as hip as I thought I would. But, but I, I, I just kept, I kept at it. My mantra was, Oh, I can do it better next time. That that yeah. was that's that's all that kept me going. Oh yeah, but I can do it better next time. And I kept on doing, it and I did. I got better next time. That uh, for all you students out there doing it, you know, practice <laughs> doing it makes you better. You have to weird craft. You know, whatever it is, you have to practice. It's like you, you know, to, yeah, yeah. You know, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, man. Pra practicing a lot of hours. That's yeah. Oh, hours. yeah. And, <laughs> and I, time. See, and I was a lazy guy. I didn't want to do anything. So 
But for some reason, I, I, I wanted to make people laugh. I, you know, I just became a challenge. Uh, why, why aren't they laughing? So in, in about six months, then I was opening for Woody Allen and Miles Davis and uh, Kingston wow. Trio. And so I was doing okay. I, I, I learned my craft and I was doing it well. And, but I started to get into um, critical thinking, humor. <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, that wasn't Woody's, uh, I was opening for Woody Allen. That wasn't their kind of humor. I mean, and, and the weird thing was, Woody's, uh, anytime I open for any comedian, because uh, I open for a lot of them, um, there, you have to find, you have to find your audience because just because they came to w laugh at Woody Allen didn't mean they came to laugh at me. Yeah, they're not going to know, so, with you necessarily, are they? Yeah, yeah, so I started to get that as I was learning and getting better at my craft and opening for Woody and traveling, my laughs were getting smaller and, and his laughs were getting bigger. And I thought, this is not my audience. I got to find my own. So what do you, what that... Do you, was it, what do you think the main reason was? Just because, again, because you was doing, doing critical because thinking. Because I, I was saying... I was saying fuck on stage and oh, talking right, about yeah, marijuana. Right, yeah, no, <laughs> it's very simple. Being, being blue rather than clean. I don't know. Well, I, I call it critical. Critical. <laughs> I was, you know, I was talking about politics. I mean, it wasn't just that. It right, was the okay, subjects yeah. that I was talking about and the way I was framing it. Got you. There's a point of view there that wasn't carrying. No, no I, I get that. I understand. I mean, anyone and. Would. It's like, uh, you know, like you say, if you're in the playground and you can sit and tell jokes to your friends, they're like jokes. But if you're on stage, you, you can make a lot of really decent points and weave a lot of humor into it. And it, it makes you, it, it's kind of what I try and do myself. Uh, exactly. It's, it's really tricky. Uh, you have to it, it take is, a lot of steps back. You can't get around it. it. You, no, can't, uh, you can't say, no, I'm going to. You keep talking to Woody Allen's audience until they laugh. No, it doesn't work that way. I mean, the subjects that I was talking about, they just didn't care about. But, but uh, I did notice that audiences do come, I mean, to a comedian like, say, Woody or stuff like that, w w people like him, stand-up comedians, they do come to laugh. In other words, if they're coming to your show and they're your fans, they want to laugh. Yeah. They that's why they're there. They're, that's why I didn't go to a concert, a music concert. They came to live. So, you know, all those little subtle ways of gauging the room and the audience. So I started to get the hang of it. Uh, but then finally, the I was doing the Playboy circuit, which was very interesting experiment. <laughs> because that's certainly not uh, critical thinking. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I was in, you know, but I would get it. I was getting by. It was a gig, you know, you open for a, a you know, a singer or something like that, not a, a comedian. And then you, you get by, you do your job. So, okay. So I, I was on the tour, but um, Hugh Hefner invited me on uh, uh, called uh, Playboy at Night. They had a half hour TV show. Yep. So he invited me on the show and that was a special, that was like a, a boom, a step up, you know, first you're opening for coffee houses, Woody Allen, your own people, TV, you know, Playboy Club. 
So I got on and I was on there with uh, the Smothers Brothers, who I didn't know were fans of mine, uh, my stand-up, because they had heard about me. Maybe they come to see a show that I was in, whatever. I never opened for them. So they were there and um, a friends, because it was such so special, friends came to see me. They, they came to the show to, to sit in the audience, TV show. And they came backstage to the green room and I never, I, I was around drugs all the time. I mean, I opened for musicians and they were doing marijuana. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, but I never did. I mean, I was around it. I talked about it. Uh, all my friends did it, I, but I just never uh, was curious. I didn't think I needed it. I mean, I wasn't against it. I wasn't for it. I just, you know, okay, I was something else. So they came and they said, hey, you're going to get high before the show. Now, nobody had ever said that to me before. They all knew I, I just didn't smoke. They would smoke around me. Maybe I got a contact high or something. But I said, you know, well, I don't, I don't get high before. I, I, I don't get high. So they said, well, you got to get high, man. You know, it's Playboy, you know, TV. Hey, man, rock and roll. So I said, okay, you know, what, what did you bring? Because I don't have any. So they brought hash. Now hash is really powerful, <laughs> man. So I said, okay, you know, I figured it's drugs or drugs. I, I don't know. And so I, I just took a, uh, they brought a pipe and I got like, okay, great. And then all of a sudden it hit. And then the guy says, okay, Mr. Hankin, you're on. You're on. <laughs> wow. So I went on and I sat on the couch and there was, you know, there was Hugh Hefner sitting on the arm of the couch, and then there was a Playboy girl bunny next to me. And then there was me, and then there was uh, another Playboy bunny, and then there was Tommy and uh, Dickie Smothers, and then there was another Playboy girl, and that was that was the the frame. And then Hugh Hefner and I, and you know. Generally, interviewers set you up for your shtick. You know, there's the last you a question that yep. is is gets you to your material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did that. Hugh, Hugh did that. Hugh did that. Well, Larry, what do you, what do you think about uh, bubblegum? And um, <laughs> I went, uh, oh yeah. Um, well, you know. Bubblegum is um, it's kind of funny because uh, it's like marzipan. And then you could see what's going on. And Tommy, I didn't understand. I didn't realize that Tommy knew my, my act. Tommy knew my act. So he kept, he kept poking me like this, you know, across, I guess, from the other. Oh, no, what's this? What's this? <laughs> what the heck is going on? Is this part of the act? <laughs> Help! I don't know what this is. What's it on? I can't shut it off. I don't even know what it is. Oh, I'm sure it will turn off. <laughs> no. I wouldn't worry okay, about well, it. Well, it's like, that's like, is this the Playboy Club? Am I high? Did you give me something? Okay, so anyway, what I was, what I was saying was, uh, Tommy said, no, Larry, tell him about, and he started feeding me my, my set, my, my stuff. You know, Larry, tell him about, you know, the marzipan and the monkey, you know, tell him about that. And, and I'm going, oh yeah, the monkey, yeah. 
And then Hugh understood totally. I mean, he, he saw that. He got, okay, well, thank you very much. You know, let's talk to Tommy and Dickie, some others. And they just got me out of there. They just, whoosh. and then I was canceled from all the Playboy. So that was a, a quick lesson in uh, critical humor or, or getting high before a show or that, yeah, whoa. So I never did that again. Uh, I, I did eventually get high, you know, on my own. Oh, let me try that. Okay, but but still, that was you know down the road. So that's how I got into show business. A long, long story. Long. Uh, it, it was a great story. <laughs> I was going to again. One of some of my questions were: Have you got any wild stories? Because again, you know, you've been in the industry for a long time, and there's probably a hell of a lot of stories. And well, I got about. I wrote a book. We'll talk about that. Yeah, later, we'll get to, we'll get to the we'll get to the books. I'd like I'd like to yeah. read that uh, just for my own humour. Because I mean, even that just you know that just that as a story, and then as a a build-up that bubblegum is like marzipan. It's just as a, as a line itself, it's just so funny. And then you, when you think about it, you go, oh, man. <laughs> Again, it's got tears coming out of my eyes. <laughs> so, obviously, growing up, you're from, from New York. Uh, what was it like growing up in, in New York? Well, I had a, t I, uh, I had a tough time, really. Um, bullies. A lot of bullies. Uh, because bullies don't like funny kids uh it it, it <laughs> takes so away from their aura <laughs> and so i was a funny kid so I, I was uh pushed around a lot on the playground i had a lot of friends who came to my aid because they liked humor and so uh i had bodyguards right okay. uh well, i'll tell you okay here's his like in high school I, I had a, a girl friend who I think I had one or two classes with. She was very pretty, had a crush on her, but you know, she had a boyfriend, uh, didn't bother me. I mean, I just liked talking to her and we would uh, hang out after, after the class, I would walk her to her next class, but nothing, you know, just friends. So one day uh, after school, I'm walking to the, her, to her, her, to the bus. She takes a bus somewhere, I don't know. So I'm walking and all of a sudden her, this guy comes over. I never met him, but it was her boyfriend. And he goes, hey, what are you doing? And she says, oh, he's just walking me to the bus. And I go, yeah, I'm walking her to the bus. She says, oh, that's my girlfriend. And I go, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'm just walking her to the bus. And, and, he, and he starts pushing me around. He says, you stay away from her. And she's going like, no, leave him alone. He's not, we're not doing anything. He's just a friend. And he's, he wants to fight, man. He just, you know, and he's poking me. Yeah, and, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he hits my books out of my hand and stuff. And, uh, and then a crowd gathered. So now there's going to be a fight because the crowd there's a crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, an audience wants a show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do stand up? No, no, this is a fight. This is a fight. <laughs> so uh, he said, boom, boom, and he hits the books, and I go, and I'm picking up my books, and she is telling him, and she's going, no, no, leave him alone, we're just friends, and in my mind, all I'm thinking is, shut up, Joni, let him beat me up, I don't want a girl <laughs> protecting me, no, that's worse, I'd rather fight, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's embarrassing, but she keeps it up. 
So finally, a couple of the other guys said, hey, man, you know, and then the crowd started to dissipate because, no, there's not going to be a fight. He's, yeah, he's yeah. A, blah, 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 blah. So they go, hold, bring the, okay. Uh, three days later, I'm in the cafeteria, the high school cafeteria, and I see this guy this who is pushing me around, a boyfriend. He comes in, his, his arm is in a sling. He's got a broken arm. So I go, wow, man. That's uh, he. That was a guy who was be, was gonna beat me up a couple a couple of days ago, man. Now he's got a you know good for him. <laughs> so the guy says, "Don't you know what happened?" And I go, "No, what happened?" He said, "Yeah, that was the guy that beat you up three days ago. He pushed the books out of your hand, right?" Yeah. Why? He said, "You're you will go and pitch a, a baseball game. I used to mind pitching a baseball game during lunch hour." on the baseball field, there's nobody there. I would get on the mound and do a mime comedy, you know, baseball game, you know, hitting the ball and everything. So you do that thing at the, during lunchtime, right? I go, yeah. He says, well, a couple of guys that think you're really funny beat the hell out of them. <laughs> really? Just from watching. Yeah, they don't want him touching you. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's broke his arm. Bro bro so wow. they broke his arm. Uh, well, I mean, there was a fight, and in the, in the fight, it was like, I think two or three guys got on him. It wasn't just one guy, it was a couple of guys. But th those are my comedy pals, <laughs> my bodyguards. Justice was definitely served that day, you know? Uh, so I, I saw there is a power to humor, even though it kind of <laughs> kind of goes around once removed. But, and, and it, does, it does work. I mean... Uh, I, I used it to get out of a lot of situations and stuff. But yeah, so, so I, was, uh, I was always getting these guys who thought I was too funny. That, that, that was, somebody said that you're, you know, oh, like I was, there was a gang or something. And uh, I, I, uh, oh, yeah, some Hell's Angels came in to see a show I was doing in a coffee house when I was in the committee. This is years later. I mean, I was a, an established person. But I would also do a little, you know, like 10 minutes. I would, during a break or in between shows, I'd go to a coffee house down the street from the theater. And I just, you know, go in and do a couple of minutes, just try out some Would stuff. Would that have been around like the Hunter S. Thompson times? Uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. And uh, so the Hells, and I would do motorcycle shtick. Yeah, yeah. So the Hells Angels go, hey, man, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, you, you know, you ride a motorcycle. And I go, yeah, I, well, I, because I, I, these guys rode, you know, <laughs> fat boys and, you know, motorcycles. I said, well, I ride a Honda, you know, two, 250 cycles, <laughs> CCs. Yes, yeah, right, exactly. That's what he did. <laughs> so he goes, really? Oh, you mean that's your your little uh, red Honda out front? And I go, yeah, I, I didn't want to admit that to him, you know. But but he pointed it out. I said, yeah. He said, well, listen, you know, if you have any trouble with it, you know, like you need parts or anything, let us know. I go, oh, wow, yeah. How, how come? He said, yeah, we steal them all the time. We got parts <laughs> for them. Yeah, <laughs> I said, and I, I said, how? So I say, how the hell? Because now it's fascinated. You steal these all the time. Yeah, I don't want, you know I had it locked. Well, locked. I had the 
the handlebars locked so it only yeah, turned one way or around the <laughs> wheels. I says, how do you steal them? He goes, you just pick them up and throw them on the back of a truck. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> I go, oh. So I was like, from then on, I would always lock it to something. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he, he, uh, they protected me, you know, but uh, hey man, leave him alone, you know, hey man. So it, it kind of worked throughout my career. And then finally, but after a while, no, guys were coming at me as I grew older and got into show business, guys were coming at me with beer bottles, cops were pulling me off the stage. I mean, it was it was the seventies and eighties, yeah, you know, yeah. and and Lenny Bruce, they, you know, the cops were just killing him. Yeah. I mean, they were driving him to drugs. That, that's what they were doing. <laughs> they were making him. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, I, I just uh, it was growing up was, and I grew up in a very in a vacuum. I had no input. It was a very okay. there was nothing going on in my house. My parents were intellectually. Uh, on uh, they just didn't care about any reading or books or anything so i would uh, yeah i grew up in a in a bubble so when i got out of uh, when i started going away to like college which is why i wanted to go to college away away uh you know i was like a whole new world opened up and then when i got to greenwich village i hadn't never that was like amazing it was like another planet and and that's what opened my mind to other stuff, you know, other other stuff, show business. So obviously, all the uh, stuff you've done. What's been some of the most favorite things that you've worked on throughout the whole body of your work? What what is my favorite uh, thing? Yeah. Well, Escape from Alcatraz is probably number one, just because it was the first big movie I ever made. And I was on it for three months and we were shooting on location in Alcatraz yeah. on the island. So I was there for three months and, you know, the whole, uh, it just opened my mind up to uh, movies and making movies and acting and directing and crews and lighting. I'd never, I mean, this was a major motion picture that I was, you know, out of San Francisco as a, as a stage actor, as a, you know, second city improv guy. Because uh, finally I couldn't take the beer bottles. The guy said, get the fuck off the stage. I was opening for shit, yeah, Kingston yeah. Trio is what, what did it. I was opening for the Kingston Trio, Jack's on the Highway. And I was talking about uh, naked, naked, Homo sapiens. I, I said, okay, let's talk about God, is, is what, how I got into that. <laughs> I said, well, let's talk about God. And all of a sudden, you could feel all the sphincters shut, <laughs> closed you know, in the audience, you know, God. <laughs> so um, I said, yeah. So I, I took a little, I mimed a little human being between my thumb and forefinger you know, a little tiny one inch human being. And I put him on top of my microphone, you know, the one that I held in my hand. I put that little man on top of the microphone and I started talking to him, you know, I said, oh, hi, you're a little human being. Hi, I'm God. Uh, what's that between your legs? And all of a sudden, bring on the Kingston trio <laughs> from, the, from the darkness. And I go, no, 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 no. Let's, let's just talk about this for a second here. 
Yeah, you're all naked. Where are you? Where's your, all your clothes? And what's that between your legs? Bring on the clothes. And then I go, no, no, wait a minute. Let me just, let's just talk about this for a second. And I see this guy come across the dance floor. It was a nightclub, you know, with a beer bottle in his hand upside down. And he said, get the fuck off the stage. Bring on the Kingston Trio. So I got off the stage. You know, I just walked off. Yeah, the, all right. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. You know, you know no sweat, man. <laughs> so I got off the stage and I sat at the bar and the bartender comes over and he says, hey, what the hell are you doing here? And I go, did you see that guy came at me with a beer bottle, man? He was going to hit me. He said, yeah, but uh, you got 10 minutes to go. Kingston Trio doesn't come on. For 10 <laughs> and I go, no, man, Whoa. talk to that guy. Get him out of here. He's going to hit me. No, get him out of here. I just talk to him or wh whatever. But I'm not getting on the stage until somebody does something about that guy. And he says, look, either you get out on that stage and do another 10 more minutes or you're fired. So I said, I'm not going out on the stage until you talk to that guy. And he said, OK. I said, where's where's a bouncer? I want to talk to the bouncer. And he said, I'm the bouncer. Get on the stage or you're fired. And I go, I'm not going on the stage then. And he goes, OK, you're fired. So I said, okay, fine, goodbye. So I went and I got my overcoat. My, my, no, I was like, a, I don't know, jacket. And I walked out and it's the middle of a blizzard. It's a snowstorm outside. It's, it's Boston. It's outside of Boston. Uh, it's on a highway outside of Boston. So I had to come back in to make a phone call for a cab, which was kind of, you know, dorky. Come back, can I use the phone? <laughs> What are you doing here? We just fired you. Yeah, but I got to call a cab. It's snowing outside. So I called a cab and I flew back and I called my manager. And I said, uh, um, well, I don't, well, why is this always shifting? I don't know what's going on with this thing. But, uh, I called my manager and I said, um, look, I can't do this anymore. I mean, people are coming at me with uh, beer bottles. I'm being fired. So he said, uh, join uh, Second City. That's what he said. Said so join Second City. So that's what I did. I auditioned. Wait a minute. Let me... Why is this not? Oh, I see. It's my foot. It's me that. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so um, uh, I went to. Uh, uh, yeah, so I went. To, I auditioned for Second City, and I became an improviser for Second City. We went to Chicago, and then a couple of us broke off there and went to. San Francisco to uh, the committee. So I guess my, my favorites is the, all the ones that you are my favorite shows, all the ones that you mentioned in the beginning, Breaking Breaking Bad, uh, Escape from Alcatraz, uh, Trains, Planes and Automobiles is probably the funniest one movie the funniest, I've ever one seen. One of the funniest movies ever, it is. Uh, their, their car ride alone. <laughs> You know, on the highway and the car blowing up behind the trunk when they're sitting on the trunk. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, Hughes, John Hughes is amazing. His framing for the jokes are amazing. That's what people don't look at nowadays with like comedy. It's so in, it's really in your face. But back in the day, it was like really layered yes. and heavily yes. layered to the point. Some of it, you don't even see it unless you watch some it two or three times and there's some it going on in the background and you go what's going on oh, there's some a minor sentence or joke you've missed 
you know, same with any like Mel Brooks film. You can watch that. Oh, any, man. Any, any Mel Brooks yeah. film yeah. Eight, yeah. 10 yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. You can watch <laughs> any film over and over again and spot something different. Oh, my God. So yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. What was the, the Blazing Saddles? Blazing Saddles. Yeah. 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 Blazing Saddles is hilarious. Oh, that, that's where that. Nit, nit, nit. Yes. Hey, I don't want you talking to that. Nit, nit, yeah. nit, nit, nit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be, see, there a guy would come out with a beer bottle nowadays, or, or I don't I don't know. I don't know what's going on nowadays. I don't know where comedy is nowadays. I'm, I'm a writer. Now. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, people say there's like, it's all like woke comedy, but I don't, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's the case. I, from a lot of comedy specials I've seen lately. I, I call bollocks on that. It's uh, yes, yeah, exactly. Bollocks, it's exactly. It's completely just tabloid bullshit that people go. Oh well, if that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, people. It's just they want to laugh, so they laugh. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's. It doesn't funny matter anymore. what the no, if, whatever the context is. It, this is what's funny. Yeah. Is, is sometimes as long as the context is right, and you you write the joke and you get it crisp. And the laugh will always come because people just go, they just crease. They always want to laugh. Um, yeah. And uh, I watch, you know, a lot, a lot of the HBO comedy specials, oh, yeah, you know, because so I'm, I'm still into stand up. I, I, that's my my favorite uh, medium media. So but I, a lot of it, I don't it's not funny to, you know, I mean, uh, some of it is. I mean, Bill Burr is funny. Bill Burr is another. He's really good. He, he, yeah, yeah I mean, he's just he's <laughs> vitriol is yeah, yeah. beautiful, uh, and then and, and and people like that. You know, George Carlin, Richie Pryor. But those are '90s. That's the. I mean, uh, the, the people are trying to do that now, but they're reaching. Yeah, it's and, not. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, people are always trying to. I mean. People always take from their favorite comedians as well. They'll take little bits inadvertently. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's inadvertently done just because they. It's like if you're a rock star, if you like, if you want to, if you're in a band and you want to be like, like Metallica. You, you sort of play like them, don't you? Because you want to get the style. Yeah, you take little riffs, little, little yeah, bits. Little, little, it's, yeah, it's the same sort of a comedy, isn't it? Really, because you know, if well, you take little bits. Standing on the shoulders of yeah. somebody else. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's not called stealing. No, it's no, it's, not, it's not stealing. No, it's like replicating in a yeah, yeah. No, it's standing aspect. on the shoulders of the past. You know. Oh, just, okay. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, I mean, that's Robin true, yeah. Williams was accused of that. Well, yeah, about Milton yeah. Berle. I don't know if you even know of Milton Berle, but yep. but uh, all the old timers they did that habitually. I mean, it was part of their act that I stole this. You know, I, Milton I Berle was always being accused of it, and Robin Williams too. I didn't realize that until a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm a big Robin Williams fa fan, but I didn't realize until a couple of years ago that he was a profound joke stealer, you know, and I was like, oh, really? was he crazy. was, uh, well, because he was, my, that was my era. In other words, when I was doing stand-up, he was doing stand-up, and he would just, it was uh, bef a little before Mork and Mindy. Uh, right, okay. So yeah. I, I would hear about, uh, and, and I knew Robin, I mean, because we would cross paths in nightclubs or whatever. Uh, and uh, I, I, he would be accused of stealing. He never stole any of my material. He never saw my act, I don't think. But he heard about me. But, but anyway, yeah, he was uh, always being accused of stealing. He said, no, don't, don't let Robin see your act. Or like buying you know? jokes as well is, is something else. Is, uh, 
you know, if you need a quick dollar, you can just go, oh, you know. And the other thing is also, and I know people with his kind of mind, I mean, they're like vacuums. I mean, they don't, they don't even know they're stealing. They're just, you know, I mean, just. I kind just, of half do it myself in a way. Some people are just like information machines where they can yeah. just in, input something and then it just whirls around the cogs and comes out a different style. And Yeah, yeah. And then you go, oh, or sometimes you don't even know it. You're like, no, hey, you, you don't. Hey, somebody, oh, right, yeah. I heard that. I've, I've had to call myself on it a few times in my show. I'm like, uh, oh, I was thinking about this the other day. And I was like, oh, no, wait. I wasn't thinking about it. I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Call him, I call bull, call, I've done it a few times, called bullshit on myself. Um, so during all these years, um, is there any, I mean, is there any specific project you wished you could have done? Because there's uh, so many films during the, these decades. No, you know, there's only one, uh, I don't think that way. Uh, okay. I, uh, I was, uh, I got it from another actor, actually. Uh, actually, uh, not even an actor, a, a, a model, a graphic, uh, you know, a clothes model, graphic okay, yeah, yeah. photo magazine. Uh, a kid, he was a young kid, he was about 18. I was watching television and he was being interviewed and they asked him about rejection. You know, well, what if you don't get uh, that modeling job? How do you feel about that? And he said, well, you know, my manager, my agent told me don't, don't, you can't look at it that way. It's just, um, you go in, you do your audition and then forget it, you know, and just go on to the next audition. And either you get the job or you don't, but right. meanwhile, you're on to other things. You, you can't take it personally. It's not, and this is an 18 year old kid. And I was about, you know, like 25 or 30 or whatever. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, that's, so I never ever look back or, Reject it. But there, so there's only one that I wanted and I didn't get, and I still remember it. But, uh, well, I mean, you, even, you know, it's just not even uh, something that you put out for necessarily, just like any sort of film, you know. Um, well, I just thought it was such a great part for me. Not, it wasn't a great part. It was just I wanted to do it. Okay. And I'll tell you, it was a, um, a Keanu Reeves movie. Well, when he was doing that uh, Hey Dude a character, uh, it was, uh, you know, he, there was a couple. It was him and another guy. Yeah. And they were Bill two. What? Bill and Ted. Yeah. Bill and yeah. Ted's Great Adventure. Yeah. Well, you know, the tall, ghost like white figure, who, oh, who that yeah, ghost like yeah. figure. Okay. I auditioned for that oh, wow. and I didn't get it. Oh. And I wanted to get that part because it was just such a weird part. Uh, you know, I don't think it, anybody ever even noticed that part ever. No, but I auditioned for it and I didn't get it. And I go, God damn it, man. I, I should have got that, you know. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it was just one thing that just kind of hit my memory and, and got stored there. But uh, it was not a great part that I really wanted. It was just. Well, I mean, you've always oh, played damn. these like quirky characters as well, uh, which know, I, are, I always wanted to do that. For that as well. Yeah, because they're easy to play. Because I never really wanted. I mean, first of all, I'm dyslexic. So, and and one of the part, things about my dyslexia is I can't memorize a lot of lines. It's very hard. I mean, I do it, but it takes me 
a long time. You know, yeah. I need a lag time of three or four days. And the bigger the part, generally, the, the more time you have before you have to shoot it. But then there came a, a cutoff time where the parts were too big and the time was too short. Right. And so I said, okay, I'm, I'm, don't even send me up for this. I, I won't be able to memorize it in time. So I would start turning down the bigger parts. And what is going on? <laughs> what? I'm glad this is the loosest. Don't worry about it. This is the loosest podcast on the on the web. Yeah, I know, but it just bothers the hell out of me. Uh, so uh, anyway, yeah. So I I just uh, didn't pay any attention anymore. You know, I uh, just go go along. But I never revered any any. Uh, but I was always quirky because they're easy. Yeah. They're, you know, I I I as an improviser in Second City and the committee for 10 years i did that um a quirky character shouts at you what to do because it's it's a quirky character in other words it's like you know be weird written on the forehead you know and you go oh okay uh, and, and i can just fall into it and i don't have to do too much homework and the lines are easy and they're not many generally a weird character doesn't have much to do so I just have one or two or three scenes. And that was enough for me. You know, all I wanted was the money to make my little um, uh, film shorts. That, yeah. That's what I was into, film shorts and drawing and painting. Well, even so, then, uh, I looked at your art behind you. I'll keep yeah. glancing at it. It's really, really good. Like, it's yeah, great. there's a, let me see. Is it here? Oh, here, yeah, wait a minute, okay. I, Stay right there. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> no, it's no worries. Whoa, oh, we've got no. this minor air. Right here. Like it's a subscribe, gone. people. I had t-shirts. I have t-shirts with them on. Yeah. Oh, cool. Where can people find uh, them? Okay. Well, anyway. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, I, I those paintings are... So, uh, yeah, I make those paintings. Uh, they're, they're like a uh, museum prints they're about five four hundred dollars a piece but i put them on t-shirts for you know 13 bucks so uh, if you go to my website that's that's what i'm selling the website yeah. so it's uh the real larry and uh you there's my t-shirts my paintings my uh some of my movies my little film shorts uh the real larryhankin.com and you can't go to larryhankin.com because that's being held for ransom somebody's trying to uh oh, they yeah, want me to cool. pay them to release it ah. so i just said now nah, the real larryhankin.com i used to work with a guy that bought and sold domain names uh oh, really yeah yeah right. he, and i was like man you're a fucking idiot because he mortgaged his house yeah, Holy he, cow. he really went in deep but i mean way down the line i could imagine i haven't heard from him for years but i could imagine that he's probably got some serious domain names by now but he'd just buy ridiculous amounts you know every time he'd get paid he'd buy a new buy five new domain names and then wow. live off monster energy drink i mean you know but as uh, long as he can keep it safe but uh, you know so uh the real larry that's the only thing uh and also this book uh, yeah I, i'm uh 
I, I'm writing a book. It's all the, the show business stories that kind of I've been hinting at or telling you about. Yeah. But it's a whole book of uh, from the time I graduated college until the last show I did was, um, uh, what was it? It was, uh, oh, Barry. Barry. Yeah, I did yeah, that. Yeah, Barry's amazing. That's a that's uh, yeah, that's a really great really show. it's that gets your mind thinking as well. Because again, he's acting himself. Uh Bill Hader. Yeah, he, he's a great director. A, he he directs very in good that. in that. He's very uh, good. Uh yeah, and so that was the last show, and then uh, the the parts got just too big for me to memorize. So I just dropped out. I gave up my uh, I became a writer. I just, uh, maybe I didn't, I dropped out. I stepped aside. I stepped out. I don't know. I didn't retire. I mean, I'll still do acting, but I only do it for friends or, you know, parts that I can memorize and I have enough time to memorize. You if know. There's, I mean, there's quite a lot of uh, stuff coming up. Uh, is there any, if there was something that you could work in, in particular that film wise is coming up, what would you, is there anything that you'd want to look into? Um, get involved in? No, I, I want to get this book out. The book is called That Guy because everybody, that's what they call me. Oh, you're that guy, you know, from from, from Friends. Oh, you're that guy from uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, you're that guy. So that's the name of the book. It's called That Guy. It'll come out. I don't know. I'm looking for a literary agent, right? God I worry about damn it. it. Don't worry, you're not, on, you're not on your side, are you? <laughs> no, I, can't even, I can't even correct it. I, I'll just I just try to. Aim, you know. So, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> there's a loose wire down by my foot, and I can't. Yeah, I know what you it. mean. I know what you mean now. It's you're working blind on your side now. <laughs> you know, when I you it went out. No, no, I mean like because because you have to move your foot. So obviously, for you to center it, you're working blind because you've got no oh, screen. I'm working blind. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I'm trying to, you know, get this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're spot on. It's pretty. It's literally dead on the same. <laughs> that's pretty right. impressive. Uh, so anyway, that's yeah. That's uh, what was going. That's what was is going on with my advertising anyway. So um, obviously, if you've worked with so many different directors, if you could have worked with any director in your life, um, who would you? Well, picked? you can't because you don't know how the directors really are to work with. I mean, you know, like for instance, John Huston. Of course you want to, uh, of course, <laughs> the screen is changing now. Of course you want to work with great directors, but you really don't know each director is different and each director doesn't know how another director works because they're not actors, they're directors. So they don't work for other directors. So each director is totally unique. So yeah, I would love to work with John Huston and I did in Annie. Uh, I worked with John Huston and it was great working with him, but I could have never imagined what it would be like to work with John Huston. He, 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 you know, maybe he's, he's a, a cool guy. Maybe he's a martinet. Maybe, no, he's just a, John Huston is really just a great human being. That's what he is. Uh, I, I just loved working with him, around him, for him. Uh, so I never had a, a wish list. Because be careful what you wish for, wish because for, you yeah, just yeah. may get it. So I, I never wished for anything. I just kind of, you know, auditioned and hope, hope, yeah, but not wish. Uh, 
so John Houston was a great director to work for. Um, uh, Larry David was a, a quirky director. Wow, that would have been. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of Larry David. Well, Cur yeah, he's great. Curb but, is amazing. But he's weird, you know. I mean, he doesn't. Uh, he uh, like, for instance, here's the direction he gave me. I, uh, so we were doing a uh, Seinfeld, and yeah. he stands on the side. Larry David stands on the side. He's not the director. A guy named Tom is the director, and basically. Tom is a traffic manager, you know, where the cameras go and, you know, it's a three camera shoot, but Larry David watches the performance. And so he'll, um, he'll call you over, which is kind of nice. Like he'll call over Michael Richards and he'll say, Hey, Michael, I want to talk to you. He's like, everybody hold it. I want to talk to Michael. So take it. And then he just talks to you privately. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what he's saying. So I was, and, he, and then when Michael would go back into the scene, after talking to Larry David, Michael Richards would be funnier. And I always wondered, what the hell did what he did tell he him? him? <laughs> I mean, you know, and the scene would be funnier. I, I want some of that Larry David magic dust. You know, I, I just, and then one day he says, right, I, I, everybody hold it, I want to talk to Larry. And I go, oh man, he's going to make me funnier. Oh, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to find out what he tells the other, you know, the other actors. So he pulls me over to the side and he says, um, and, and I was doing, uh, I was imitating, uh, I was doing Tom Pepper, who was going to be the actor who imitated uh, Kramer. Yep. So Larry David calls me over and, and he says, uh, and he whispers to me, he's very intimate, he says, I know what you're trying to do. And the word trying just struck me, just punched me in the stomach. You know, what do you mean trying? You know, I'm a professional. That's, that's how I took it. It was an insult, trying. I'm not trying anything. I'm doing it, man. So I go, what do you mean by trying? So he says, uh, I know what you're trying to do. And then I said, oh, really? What am I trying to do? And he goes, you're trying to do nothing, which blew my mind because that's exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to be Buster Keaton, deadpan, Tom Pepper, deadpan. So I was so surprised that I just got, oh, right. You know, I just changed my attitude. I said, right, yeah, um, I'm trying to do nothing. And he just leaned in a little closer and he said, well, you're doing something. <laughs> and then he walked away. <laughs> that's the greatest piece of direction I've that's, ever gotten. That's, really, that's genius. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's John Houston and there's Larry David. And then there's all the other ones. And each one, each director is different totally because they don't know how other directors work. So there's nothing to copy from, nothing to steal from. He, they just have to make it on their own. You know, maybe in class they saw it way back when they started. But so I never so I, when I started to realize that I, I just never had a wish list about anything, even, you know, oh, I wish I could, you know, work with, you know, Brian Cranston or, or you know, Alec Baldwin or, uh, you know, Johnny Depp or whatever. Uh, I, I just Brian never Cranston because you never. 
He's a legend, isn't he? You know, Brian. Well, 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 legends, but but you never know until you get like Brian Cranston is the greatest guy to work with because he's such a giving actor. He makes you better. Yep. <clears throat> he he gives you the scene. He he'll go anywhere where you want to go. You can um, see it or anything is in. Sorry, what? You can see it with anything that is in. Oh, like. <clears throat> Amazing. And then uh, uh, Clint Eastwood is just the almost the opposite. He feeds off your energy. He's like a cork. Clint Eastwood doesn't give you anything. He um, uh, what he does is he lets you go and then he rides on your energy. He like floats on whatever's going on. Like, you know, I come in like here. You know, we, we'd be okay. We're doing because most of my scenes right. were with him. I've got you. So you know, come in like this, and then I go blah 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 blah, and then he would just—I don't know—his answer would just go. So I go, yeah, well, and then he would just, <laughs> just you know, no matter, just, <laughs> but with, with the ease. I mean, he wouldn't—he wouldn't get as angry as I was, or as energetic, or as intense, or whatever I was. He wouldn't imitate it. He would just ride it, you know, you know, just, and I would just, you could just feel that floating thing he would do. So you can't beat him. You can't, you can't yeah, be yeah. better than Clint, Clint, Clint Eastwood. You can't Some be better. Some of my favorite films are Clint Eastwood, you know, um, <clears throat> again, like I said earlier, you know, growing up, I, especially the old spaghetti westerns, you know, like yeah, two, yeah, right. two Mules for Sister Sarah and stuff like that. And uh, well, there's loads. I mean, he did, did tons of them, but they're just so good. And I, I mean, like people like Tarantino try. I mean, it's yet to quite get there. I think he should really do a full spaghetti. I don't Western. know if I could work. See now, if if I don't know if I could work with Tarantino, uh, I'd imagine it'd be very specific. Tricky. Like like um uh, like um uh, Spielberg. Uh, I was talking. I, I heard two actors talking about Spielberg. Two major actors, big stars, who were talking about one of them. Liam Neeson was one of them. Uh, Liam Neeson was talking about being directed by uh, Steven Spielberg in that Nazi uh, thing where he saved all the Jews. It was a black and white movie. Yeah, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. He was talking about he didn't like working with uh, Steven Spielberg to another major star. I, I can't remember who he was talking to. But um, so Liam Neeson was saying, I don't want to, I don't like working with, you know, he was telling me what to do. So, uh, Steven Spielberg was, was directing him, you know, telling, no, no, don't do it this way, do it that direction, way. Direction, isn't it? It's what? It's direction. That's kind of you know. If you're a director, that's kind of your job. Yeah, you you direct. directing is not directing. I've never been directed. I what you do is you give a hint as to right, what would okay. help you get to where I need you to go, but I'm not going to give you the roadmap to it. Right, I just okay, yeah, following you. Uh, so so he was saying. So the other actor said, "Well, why? What was he doing?" So uh, Liam said, uh, "Well, he was telling me how to look. You know, don't you know." A smile and then get really angry you know he was a, and it was a close-up so and i didn't like i didn't like that i i was going to quit and uh, oh oh they were doing it it was on the set it was a film of them talking privately they were doing a, a movie of the making of schindler's list 
and they caught these two actors talking and one where one was a star and Liam was a star and Liam and Liam says I think I'm going to quit and the other actor was telling him not to quit just go along with it he's a great director don't question what he's asking you to do just do it it's his way so Liam says okay but so so there I kind of absorbed the fact that well maybe I shouldn't ever work with you know, uh, Steven, uh, Steven Spielberg, because I don't like that either. I don't like being given exact directions. I've, I, don't, I don't know a lot, but I've always um, sort of took Spielberg as the same sort of Kubrick-esque director. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that sort of mentality. I mean, again, there was meant to have worked together on AI. Uh, you know, right. it never happened because obviously Kubrick passed away. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Spielberg got the scripts, whatever, it, you know, but I've always seen like directors is always like that. I've never really thought, hmm, I know that they do give hints and stuff, but for like most standard people out there, they just see directors giving direction. They don't think, hey, we'll just let it fly. We'll do a bit of improv, see how it rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know? Uh, well, I, well, like I say, each director is different and some will sense how they should talk to you that that's uh john houston is a master at yeah. that um when he he didn't direct me uh he uh, most i here's what i've found in in 40 years of you know and 200 jobs 200 auditions uh is uh, imagine more than that <laughs> yeah 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 right the auditions is yeah right i uh, probably 500 to a thousand yeah uh is uh they they kind of suss out um, the, the great directors all do one thing the same and that and i so i worked with like three or four so i'm i'm you know just assuming uh they don't direct they do not give directions and john houston uh capped it when in an interview he said uh 80 of a director's job is in the casting you do not direct your actors uh, you cast the right actor because you approve of his historic choices in other parts the actors have done yeah. ha has done so he, that's what John Houston does. He casts the right people and leaves them alone to make the proper choices. And if you don't make the proper choice, I'm sure he'll nudge you. But he never says do this or do that, whereas Spielberg does and several other directors do. Now, Spielberg is a great director, so I can't, you know, second yeah, yeah. guess him. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the great directors I've worked with, all of them never gave me direct, like Larry David. I yeah. know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a you see, he gave me a key into getting to where he needed yeah. me to be. So I know what you're doing. What am I doing? You're trying to do nothing. Well, you're doing something. They've, he didn't tell me what to do. They've lined up the nail and the hammer for you. Yes. And, and got, then he said, now you go do it. That's what directors that's what great directors yeah. do they give you a hint but they don't tell you and 
uh, Liam Neeson <laughs> was was expressing his umbrage at you know St Steven Spielberg going off book <laughs> off what directors are supposed to be doing but you know however you get there I mean the 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 bottom line is the frame and and the movie not not the director not the cinematographer not the actor it's the story that's up on the screen that's what counts that's what movies are all about no, know, the end product 100%. Um, so let's. Let, I want to. I want to talk about this because it's one, again one of my favorite films, Billy Madison. Um, oh my God! I, I mean, I, I've wanted to bring it up the whole show again. <laughs> I wanted. To, I wanted to say it the whole time. Crazy Carl. I mean, um, I wanted to get into it a little bit after. I know again. I needed a, a quick piss break, but I wanted to make sure. Again, I'm. This is. I'll admit this before the show. Uh, I had to have several beers. I, I, I was there was a, a moment I had the sweats. I was like, "Man, this is crazy, Carl. You're talking to tonight." I was like, "Oh, this is kind of wild." Uh, so I do want to get into it. I mean, I, but I wanted to get into it an hour in after I um, got all my excitement out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of my favorite films. Um, features some of the best com com comedy legends ever. Uh, Chris Farley, uh, Adam Sandler, you know that. But but your role was always funny. Um, I always loved Crazy Carl. It was just the 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 bounce back between you and Adam Sandler. I you know it was great. It always just worked. Like he was always on your side, fucking everybody else off. So what was it like to work on that? It was a horror trip. Wow. <laughs> A horror trip. Okay. I, I don't think to... I would ever work with Adam Sandler again, although really? he's great. Uh, I just, his his way, because he would direct too, you know, because yep. it was his movie and everything. And he's a control freak and he's a user. He, oh, okay. he, he will, he, now, he gives you stuff that will set you off that, he gets you angry enough to do right. what he wants. Oh God, yeah. He he. Whereas Larry David just gives you hints as to how you should go about getting to what he wants. Uh, Larry uh, Adam Sandler just pissed me off the entire time I was there. That's crazy. And 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 I would say fifty percent of it, if not way more, was on purpose. On his on his terms, like that crazy laugh that I do. Yeah. That that's Adam Sandler. Wow. Uh, that that's not me. That's that's I didn't want to oh. do that. He he tricked me into doing that. He literally he he worked on my naivete and my good graces, my good grace graces, yeah. to get me to do that laugh. He called me up. We were having lunch. You know, uh, everybody's eating lunches at different tables, cafeteria style, uh, on a lot, on a And uh, so he called me over, hey, Larry, come over here. You know, uh, so I was sitting at another table. So he called me over to his table and he says, um, I hear you do this weird uh, mouse thing. What is that? So I go, where did you hear about that? She goes, never mind, never mind. You know, wh what is it? Somebody said it's pretty funny. 
So no, it's just something I used to do when I was in public school and in high school, maybe just to get laughs in the cafeteria. Well, what is it? Well, I don't want to do it. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's nothing. It's just stupid. It's stupid. It's a kid's thing. No, no. What is it? Well, that's all I had to say, man. It's a kid's thing. Yeah. That's, you know, that's where he goes immediately. Yeah, no. Oh, a kid's thing. Wow. And kids thought it was funny. Let's, wow, what is it? And I said, no, man, it's stupid. And I kept on saying that to him. And he says, no, come on. I said, look, can I just go finish my dinner and he got my, my lunch? And he goes, no, all right, I'll let you go as long as you just, just do it. I said, okay, but I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to go. He said, well, what is it? So I, I did that laugh, that, that thing, you know, so for his girlfriend out in the back there in that scene. So I, I go, you know, and I did a funny face. I'm not going to do any of it. No, no, but no. I did it. Funny, funny face. So. He goes, that's, and then the people at his table, you know, which was the producer and the director and whatever, uh, they all laughed. You know, they said, oh, ha, ha. well, not they didn't laugh, but they go, oh, ha, that's, that's, that's funny. So Adam said, hey, that, yeah, that, that's funny. And I said, well, I don't think it's funny. I'm going to go back and finish my lunch, okay? He says, yeah, yeah, thanks. And I go back and I finish my lunch. After, after lunch, me and Adam had this scene in the in the gazebo, wherever that was, yeah. with his girlfriend, where he introduces Carl to his girlfriend, and yeah. he says, "Carl, do that funny laugh." So that's not in the scene. The laugh is not in the scene, and that line is not in the scene. It's just, "This is my girlfriend. This is Carl. That's it." And then in the middle of the first take, Adam goes, "Hey, Carl, why don't you do that funny laugh you do?" for my girlfriend here. Now, I, I was still naive. It was early in my career. I'm still trying to, you know, be a good guy and yeah. do my work and be cool on the set. And I'm working with Adam and it's his movie. And in the middle of the scene, and I was an improviser, you know, Second City. And, so I, without thinking, because I'm used to people throwing lines at me, you know, from the committee. He just threw me this. He just said, hey, 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 Carl, why don't you do that laugh for this? Where my girlfriend. And so I did it partially. What, what you see in the movie is a partial, not really wanting to do the whole full Monty of that laugh that I did at the table. But I hated myself for doing it as I was doing it. I said, this fucker, he just tricked me into wow. doing this on camera. So I did it and continued with the scene. And then as soon as the director yelled cut, Adam said, let's move on. Because he knew I wouldn't do it oh, again. He got the take. Yeah, yeah he got oh, the yeah. take and he wouldn't do it. And I, from then on, man, I was his fucking enemy. I, I just, <laughs> he's, the, he's the lowest. And then he would do other things. He would do other things to, to just rile me. Uh, it's so crazy. Have well, no... it's, it's like, I mean, when you watch it on screen, it's like, there's a really good chemistry in a way, but it's, yes, it seems words, he like goes, he goes to the audience. He yeah, knows course, his yeah. audience. And he said, if the audience thinks this is funny, it's in. I don't care what I have to do or who I have to alienate to get this joke. Get the bit, yeah. And that I don't like. That I that I take umbrage. At. I mean, I'm not a fan of the big laugh. I just no, 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 no. But I'm off. just saying. <laughs> I, no, I'm just saying where I'm at as a vis-a-vis -vis Adam and that type of usury. It's yeah. usury. It's it's fucking with somebody to get an end result that is not where the being used is at. You know, it's it's using somebody. It's yeah. No, I, I don't. Uh, 
I don't, and then he, they, I mean, that's, that's a prime example, but there were other examples that I could give you about Adam and me where that, you know, this is not working, man, but it works in the movie. Like you said, the relationship between Adam and Carl, well, you know, Triscuits, you know, and blah, 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 where it worked for the movie. But I, I like, for instance, I'll give you, a, for instance, on Escape from Alcatraz, um, uh, the, uh, the, the warden, um, uh, what's his name? McGowan, McGowan, yeah. Patrick McGowan. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick McGowan never hung out with anybody. And he also drank a lot in, in his uh, dressing room. Now, uh, the only reason I say a lot is because when he got on the set, I could smell liquor on his breath. I mean, that, that's the yeah. only reason. Uh, liquor on your breath is a lot. That's all. I, I'm not making a condemnation of the guy. But in the movie, and I asked Clint Eastwood, I said, uh, you know, uh, he would only, uh, Patrick McGowan would stay in his dressing room the entire time. He was never on the set. He would only come on the set a couple of seconds before his scene was up. Roy was ready to step into the scene. Uh, he would just come on the set and then maybe, you know, count to 20. And they say, okay, we're ready for you, Mr. McGowan. And they would step like in a, uh, and he would like go in. Marlon Brando. Exactly. Him. You know, yeah. so, so, but I could smell the liquor on his breath. And one time, just when me and Clint were standing together, waiting to go into a scene, I said, hey, you know, do you ever talk to Patrick McGowan? And he said, no, he, he's never around. He just stays in his dressing room. And they said, oh, that's weird. I, I, I don't see him either. He just stays in the dressing room. The, I never mentioned... What? Sorry, just, is that the same guy that was in... Yes. Uh, he was in... Yes. Um, the... Escape thing? No, it, uh, there's another film that I'm thinking of. Um, that he, I think he was in. He was in Journey to the Center of the Earth. Is that the same? I don't know. Probably. I mean, he's a working actor, man. You know, I mean, he he did a lot of leads and co-star leads. Scottish, the Scottish guy in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was in a big hit, TV, black and white, big hit that I I watched all the time. It's about escaping from this prison that was like in another century or another world. A big ball would come and get you. Oh, yeah, that thing. I know that as well. Well, that's Patrick McGowan. Yeah, so he was a big star to me. I looked up to him because I grew up with that 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 movie, that TV show. Anyway, um, I I asked Clint. He said no, he never did. And then when I watched the movie, I saw, well, if he was drinking and not hanging out, that read on screen as a really stern-ass warden, man. And it worked. And I, you know, if the if the drinking, I don't know how much he drank. Maybe it was only one shot right before he came out. Whatever yeah. it was, the the deadening of of his the dead eyes in in the film, not on the set, but the dead eyes and the dead face that he uh, assumed for the character yep. in that film worked. And I I kind of thought maybe it's because he wasn't hanging out. He didn't want to established contact you know maybe that was part of his 
actor prepares. You know, you do whatever it takes to get yeah, you into the role. the role. You know, yeah. and a lot of actors have different preparations. I have to prepare. I mean, because of dyslexia, I, ha I have to concentrate on memorizing my lines. You can't bother me before I go on. I can't talk to anybody before I go on. You know, uh, I have to think about my lines. Other people can talk to me, you know, have a conversation about the, the man in the moon, and then just, you know, hey, you're ready, and then just walk onto the set and blah, 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 and do a perfect take. I, you know, that blows my mind. So each actor, and so I figured Patrick McGowan, uh, like Adam Sandler, was that was a way of preparing to alienate or remove himself from the other actors so it reads on screen better. So, you know, uh, you, know you, you don't question actors' preparation or, or why they're doing something beforehand. No, I, I get that. One of the other things, <clears throat> again, that I wanted to talk about was uh, home improvement. Again, uh, you seem to always consistently play a Larry, uh, which is easier for yourself, I guess. Yes. And the character in Home Improvement was Larry, and that was a very crazy role. And now, wait a minute. Was that the one on the Halloween show? Yes, it was. The episode, I believe, was called... Um, it was uh, something... It was like almost like the American werewolf thing, but it was the Taylor name. Uh, I, I don't know names, remember? No, I'm pro I'm, my head's like a shitty Trevor Trove of knowledge. Oh, <laughs> I'm just like, opposite, well, I have, you know, I have trivia, but it comes out when it was. I think, I think I it was, if I can re recall, I think it was like season six, episode two, I don't or something know, I mean, like that. I just remember the role. I was wearing a, a black suit, and I seemed to be yeah, like, yeah. Uh, mysterious or, or haunting or, you know, scary or. But I was just a guy. Yeah, it was one of my. Again, I was, when I was a kid growing up, it was one of those weird scenes that always stuck with me. Uh, Why? Well, well what about it? Um, just, I, I don't know. Um, I've always been a big fan of like Halloween episodes. Oh, you right. Know, of yeah. Things. Um, as a kid, I used to love Halloween. So whenever there'd be a Halloween well, I mean, episode on or something. Uh, you mentioned, um, you just said that uh, you. Well, what did you say? I can't remember. The Halloween. About, about watching it. There's something about me being me. You know, doing Larry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Being Larry. The Larry, so, yeah. So, but but that's just a standard actor, uh, lead actor thing. You've got to play yourself as the character. In other words, you can't get rid you don't, you don't get rid of yourself. You, you oh, use yourself you. as the character. Um, and... Uh, See, that's the difference between a character actor and a lead actor. A character actor uh, pretends to be the character. A lead actor uses himself to be the character. There's oh, a, there is a difference. Uh, one is you stay yourself and the other is you become a character. And leads don't become a character. I mean, Liam Neeson is Liam Neeson. Yeah, yeah, that know? makes sense. I've said this to a lot of people. It's like there's so many actors nowadays that are just themselves. They don't. Yeah. They're just them. Uh, and, and they, 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 yeah, and they just Tricky. put it like a glove. They just put it on. Yeah. You know? 
so uh, I, I, I've always tried to just be myself. But the, the thing about that is, for me, the problem there was, I never knew who I was. So being myself, yeah, worked for the character, but it didn't help me uh, formulate uh, other characters. In other words, I could only be myself as a character actor. So that limited my my the range. My range. It limited yeah, yeah, my range because yeah. I was only one kind of character. Who I was. No, that's being a lead. In other words, I was always being the lead as a character. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's that's sort of what uh, is strange as well because obviously I've I've seen you in so many things and there's a lot of times just like I said use the word your first name Larry or whatever and like. To me, it's it's like I don't know. I might be wrong on this, but you know, when you speak about leads and there's people like you say, like Liam Neeson's Liam Neeson, you get people like Johnny Depp, who is almost like a character actor, right, right, but he is a lead role, right? But he's never won an Oscar, which is very strange. Like these people that play themselves. Leonardo DiCaprio, it took him so long to get an Oscar, and yeah. he's another one of them. He's played so many different roles, but it took him, I don't know, whatever the fix well, is. Know, sometimes it doesn't you know. work. Have you seen the Don't Look Up? Yeah, 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 the new one, yeah. He's, he's awful in it. Yeah, it's no, not. Wait, is that, no, that's not Johnny Depp. Who is that? Oh, that's, I mean, that's DiCaprio. Uh, it's DiCaprio, yeah. DiCaprio. He's awful yeah. in it. Because he, he's because he doesn't know what the character is. He has, he has not the slightest idea of what he's yeah. doing. I couldn't watch it. I had to turn off the, I, I, I couldn't watch I, it. I had to watch it. I mean, I, I unfortunately, I multitask a lot. So like I'm binging stuff all the time just to keep up to date with stuff. And then I'm watching the news 24 seven. Well, well, let me ask you, I mean, did, could you watch that movie? I mean, did it bother you? Um, performance? I personally think it wasn't his best performance. Uh, what I, mean, I to think... Me, to me, it was like the exact same thing as a musician hearing a wrong note being played out of tune all mm. the time. Like, his instrument was out of yep. tune. I, it was just... You know, just... He, I, I couldn't watch it. I, I had to turn it off. He uh, certainly didn't resonate with any audience, but there's there is roles where you. I mean, there's very few that you do see him. The only one that I will mention where he was on par was Django. I mean, oh, oh Johnny Depp. Oh man, that was no, amazing. No, 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 oh no, no, J Django Unchained. Do you know the Quentin Tarantino one with um, DiCaprio? Oh yeah, uh, I mean, he has he has hit some really cool. I mean, uh, whatever happened to somebody great was amazing. Oh, yeah, Gil Gilbert Grape. Gilbert has amazing. Day, yeah. I mean, but I mean, even then, jo like Johnny Depp, he so shit that he got blacklisted for really? a bunch of scandalous oh, no, crap. He's a badass. I mean, no, he's, yeah, yeah. he's bad. He, he, has a, he has a reputation. That's, yeah, I, I, you, I had a reputation that, and then I got rid of it, thank God, uh, as being a... a <laughs> Um, hard to work with on, on the set because I thought acting was you know I do it my way and, and leave me alone that's how I started out because I you know and, and because I was still in the uh, improv 
mode right, of, okay. you know, I do my character, you do your character, and don't don't write for me, and I won't write for you, you know, uh, improv. But we share. I mean, uh, so I would, I came to acting with that. Like I got my guy, and, and the director would say, well, you know, they do it. They would give me direction, whatever, the good kind of direction, the bad kind of direction. And I would fight it because I couldn't take direction. And it took me a while to drop that. You know, Larry, this is not improv. You didn't, nobody else is improv here. This is all written down. You have to hit your marks. You can't just wander around. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to say the right words. And so, yeah, it was difficult for me, but Johnny Depp had that reputation. And it's gotten worse. I mean, you, he, you know, he can't keep a girlfriend. I mean, the guy is just weird. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a, it's a shame because he was involved in one of the biggest, you know, the Harry Potter franchise next films. And uh, they kicked him off. They've replaced him with uh, Mads Mikkelsen, whatever his name is. You know, the... Uh, Jack Nicholson? No, Mads Mikkelsen. You know, the guy that was in Hannibal, the series? Yeah, no, I, I don't the, know that movie. He's in a, he's in a, it's, it's this TV series, Hannibal. Um, I don't watch. He's been TV. in a few things. I only watch, I only binge series, so I don't watch any soaps or any crap like that. But I watch. Uh, I just, you know, I just, uh, I, I have too much to do. To, I, I, no, I'm a writer. I, I gotta write. Oh no, I get it. I mean, most of the time, if I'm not podcasting, I'm either listening to podcasts or listening to stand up or documentaries. And even then, I'll have like a film on in my ear and then a occasionally yeah, I'll look well, across. Yeah, well, it's important for you what you yeah. do. I mean, to me, it seems like that would be a cool thing to do. But no, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's a shame with Johnny Depp. Um, yeah. But the yeah, right, you but know, you're right. He's a he's a lead character actor. Yeah, it's it's a weird. There's a weird crossover between. I don't know. I don't know if it, that's 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 just my opinion. I'm not. No, I, I agree with you. I, I totally agree. But the um, the um, you know where they played the undercover cop. Uh, oh yeah, the new film that got didn't get released with a Biggie and Tupac. Was it that one? No, he... no, uh, no. He did it a couple of years ago. It was uh, he got into the mafia? He was an undercover cop, and he was oh, really caught a lot of yeah. times. Well, he was brilliant in that, and he was just Johnny Depp. He was as really an undercover cop, and he, he was, you know, because his life was being threatened at any moment. If if he was discovered, they would just shoot him. You know, so he that that. Well. That intensity, he had that all the time. It was riveting. But you know, he's a good actor. But he he also is a a lead a lead character actor too. And Leonardo DiCaprio is the same way. I've seen him in several movies, Leonardo, where he just didn't cut it. You know, he just didn't know what he was doing. Here's here's another one uh, that I forgot to mention that just sparked up in my brain. What was it like uh, working on Pain and Gain? That was that was great because uh, of um, uh, two guys, uh, Michael Bay, and yeah. The Rock. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, the the part or the movie wasn't uh, it wasn't worth two cents. But I got to talk to Michael Bay and hang with him, and I got to talk with, and hang with The Rock, and that was so. It, it was worth it was worth the price of admission. You know, yeah. whatever it took to audition <laughs> to I, get the part. I would have imagined it would have been a cool set. Uh, well, it was a huge movie, even though it was a small movie. In other words, Michael Bay had been doing all the, what do you call it? The, you know, uh, 
Transformers. The, what, what do you call them? Transformers. It was Transformers. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, so he had huge, huge budgets with the Transformers. So he wanted to do his own movie and he had made enough money for the production company to uh, say, I want to do this movie, uh, Pain and Gain. And they said, you know, I've made you enough money. Give me money. I want to make this movie. So they gave him $20 million, which is not a lot. But for a small movie, it's a, it's a lot. It's like he was making a $5 million movie and they gave him $20 million. So it was amazing what Michael Bay at his command for that small movie. I mean, he had an army's worth of mechanical uh, movie machinery and trucks and cranes, several different kinds of cranes and rigs and rigging and crews. There was about a hundred, at least a hundred crewmen. And we did it on location in Florida. What the heck? So I can't move my feet. If I move my feet at all, the wire gun. I think it's a rat's nest under this desk. And or, or there are rats under the desk. Either one. I don't. I don't know. Uh, so yeah. So so uh, I was I was fascinated with all the things that he had at his command. Like he would sit in his director's chair, and I would sit next to him. I would sit next to Michael Bay. I, I brought over a director's chair, and I just put it next to him. And he said, "You're going to sit here?" And I said, "Yeah. Do you mind?" He said, "No, no, it's okay." So I said, "Okay, fine." So I just and then. What? Were you going to say that's, something? That's the way to do it. Get bold. Yeah, yeah. I just want to, you know. So so I, I sat next to him. And then I would, uh, because he was worthwhile sitting next to. Other directors, you do what you have to do. I, I, because what he would do is he would command things. He would say, he would say, he would yell, he would yell over his shoulder, sit on a director's chair, sitting in front of this church that he was going to photograph, or he was going to film. And he would say, uh, I bring in uh, crane number seven and give me uh, an arc over here and bring in the truck with the thing. And, he would, and, and then in the next block, we were sitting outside on the street in front of a church and the whole next block was just lined up with movie machinery on wheels, wow. you know, cranes and trucks and, then he would call, you know, and then somebody, a runner, or they would get on the phone or something. Hey, bring in number seven and bring in a, oh, a dolly with the number and some lenses and some plus. And they would call in all this stuff. I, that was just fucking amazing. And, and then, uh, so that was, that was the thing about Michael Bay. His, his mind was, I mean, the, the guy has a, I don't know if he's a genius, but he has that kind of genius working in there, this, you know, like this warehouse of just information and technical stuff. He had technical crap in there that he would just call out numbers and units. And oh, it was amazing. I just, that's why I want to sit next to him just for his, what was inside his brain. I mean, what he that's was calling right. out. That's why I was a big fan of Kubrick. I'm a huge, huge fan of Kubrick. And well, like Kubrick, he, yeah, the, yeah, the, that that you got it, yeah, savant, exactly. Isn't he? You, you know, is it? It is like uh, what he used to do, like advanced math, mathematics in his spare time. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like a, like, uh, like a, you know, a 
playing Planetary, like, yeah, it's just yeah, uh, it used to just again, it's people like that are just savants, you just can't quite, uh, yeah. No, no, I think that they make it because of the information that's in their head, uh, but. Okay, so anyway, that was that was Michael Bay. The thing about Mike about Rock, I used to hang out again, not sit next to him, but but be near or around him. I just I, I was just fascinated with his, his musculature <laughs> yeah, yeah. and how you get that. He would like two things about him. One is he's the nicest guy you ever want to meet. He's about as nice as John Candy. That's about as good as you yeah, can get. Yeah, yeah. So he's just a a great guy friendly and he always was eating not a lot not a lot but he always had a cup of something a little spoon he's eating like you know uh some uh, yogurt or you he had a little you know something just a little sandwich a half a sandwich a quarter of a sandwich not much just nibbling on something all day long i guess just to keep his you know, something well, he's going here. He's massive, though, isn't he? You know, I mean. Oh, he's huge. I mean, I mean, I'd imagine you're quite tall. On, I mean, if I was to put a speculation, I'd guess six three. It was it. What? I mean, you're quite a tall guy, aren't you? Yeah. I'd imagine you're like six three around there. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm six uh, six three. Yeah. Six, six four. Sort of, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, he's like five inches on that. But then when you can. I'm I'm small. I'm five foot seven. <laughs> like I couldn't like standing next to him. Well, but uh, but yeah, he was big and huge, massive, and also um, I had a flirt with him. I had to be kind of a, a homosexual, uh, by or at least a bi guy. I mean, that's what Bay wanted. Was he wanted a bi kind of a bi? See, I don't have to be overt about it. But I wanted he wanted me to be attracted to Rock's body. That was the kind of but he wouldn't say so. He would just giving me hints. Michael Bay would give me hints about, well, could you be a little, a little more sexual with him? Uh, just, you know, uh, so I, I said, oh, he's taking it in that direction. OK, fine. And then and then uh, so I guess to give uh, Rock more reason to beat me up because the end of this yeah. of my character was he he, he was going to beat me up so i guess michael bay was giving him i was being too nice as the character so he wanted to give me or the rock more reason to beat me up you, you need to be overtly flirtatious yeah yeah just something <laughs> yeah but he, he never said that he never said that uh, or, or anything like that 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 would give you know i, I just had to assume that's what he wanted so uh, that was cool and then the other thing was he I had a he was gonna beat me up and there was a in in the script there was a big huge uh there wasn't a fight because I couldn't protect myself. It was he just he just murdered me. I mean basically he just <laughs> bashed me in. As, uh, in the script, the writing, not 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 the acting, yeah, yeah. but the writing. That's how it was written. And at one point he was supposed to, it's written in the script. There was a fence around this little cemetery that we were doing it behind the church where special people were buried. And we were inside that little fence. It's about a you know, 12 foot by 12 foot fence at a square that was fenced off. And we were inside of it. So in other words, when he 
fought me and beat me up, there was, I couldn't escape. I, I was fenced in, so I couldn't run away. So at one point in the script, it says he pushes my head through one of the bars, to, to, through two of the bars, he pushes my head into it. That, that's the end of the fight. So what they did was they had, and this is really weird, man, and this spooked me. They had made, they had taken a lot of photographs of me before we ever went down to Florida. <laughs> photographs of my head all the way around, 360 <laughs> degrees about 10 or 15 photos, close-ups of my head, face, back, around. And when I showed up, they showed me a, a dummy of my head. Dummy of your head. A, a, a real replica of my face and head and hair. And uh, it just freaked me out, man. And he said, well, this is what they're gonna, he's gonna put your head through. He, he's gonna stuff this through the bars. That was really weird. And um, so I thought, wow, man. And they did uh, all that of photographs. That's crazy. Say that? What, what do you mean? And, and they did it like, obviously you said, I mean, you've been in loads of stuff, but they they did that prior to you getting there. They didn't have to do a plaster cast or none of that. Do you know what no, I mean? No, they, so, uh, they, I, I, I don't think so. But it may, it may have been. I don't remember it. I just remember them photographing me a lot in, in LA, uh, photographing my head. But I have had a, a plaster cast done and it always freaked me out. I, I, they always wanted to give it to me. And there's only one that I ever took where it didn't freak me out. So it may have been that, but plaster cast back then, and now it doesn't bother me. But back then I was kind of a weird kid. I mean, I was very um, not weird in that um, I had a lot of ghosts and stuff. I believed in a lot of uh, yeah, weirdness, you. you know. I'm, I'm a conspiracy theorist and I'm into the paranormal. Well, yeah, I wasn't that bad uh, or good, but, uh, but I, I, I believed in um, omens. I believed, yeah. you know, I, yeah. it was just because I was so... Not so naive. I was afraid of everything. So I just you, you well, I, I got I got out of it. I cured myself of it. But having now being able to look back on it, I see where that comes from. Uh, omens and, and ghosts and spirituality and stuff like that. It comes from a fear of everything, a fear of life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it I, makes a, a lot of sense. Um, uh, I mean, I'm into a lot of crazy, wild stuff. I don't want to get into it on this show. It's uh, oh, well, it also helps you in 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 your business. I mean, it is, it, I mean, it's, well, it's I mean, well, it's not even that. To 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 some to some people, it's almost like a coping mechanism. It's easier yeah, to yeah, yes, exactly. Than exactly. it is the reality of what your shitty lifestyle is. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, let, let's fear what's in the dark and what exactly the night, rather than what might be coming. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the, you know palm readers and certain wines meant certain things and I was going to die yeah, at this I've, point. I mean, I went through yeah, all that. I was going to, I was going to die when I was 33. I mean, <laughs> I had that in my mind for, the, for when I was 32 until 33, I believed at 33, I was going to die and I was all prepared and everything. And then 33 and 34 came and 35 came and 36 came. And I, no. Oh man. And then 
the whole thing just blew up. You know? It just goes on and on, though, doesn't it? When you get into that level of stuff, it can just spiral. You know, next. Uh, yeah, you just there's no end. Hole, there's just no, no. So um, anyway, uh, uh, that was going on. Oh yeah. So uh, uh, he. Oh, there was one thing about Michael Bay. Uh, getting into the artist part of, of Michael Bay. Uh, and it really was true because I didn't understand. I also would follow rock around and a lot of everybody in all the because I was trying to learn. I was so naive. My growing up was so sheltered, so cut off from everything that I was trying to learn as an adult all the things that I never learned as a teenager. I mean, that's literally what was now driving me. So I would hang around with Michael Bay or John Houston or and I, it was learning. I wasn't a, a fan. I was literally trying to gather enough information to belong in in the movie world. I, I, yep. You know, just so um, there was one time when, uh, yeah, I was supposed to open the door for The Rock. This was, I was running the church. I was a yeah, the, 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 the custodian or something of the church. So uh, the rock knocks on this door and the camera is outside. I'm inside. The camera is photographing the door. It's behind the rock. Rock comes to the door, knocks on the door and I open it. So I'm facing the camera over rock's shoulder. That's the setup. The door is painted a flat blue. The door is a flat door and it's painted blue okay that's all you need to know okay so now he knocks on the door i open the door blah 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 michael bay says cut no larry you're opening the door too too wide i open the door all the way to give you a full shot of me he said no larry you, you don't have to show yourself just just open the door about halfway okay fine let's do it again all right blah blah, blah. Uh, i knock knock i open the door halfway Michael Bay says, okay, let's do it again. Okay, no, you're still opening the door too much. <laughs> well, okay. Go do it again. We do it four, five times, each time less and less, till the last shot, I'm opening the door just a bit and peeking out. Smidgen, isn't it? Yeah, it's literally a smidgen. Just a smidgen. Right, right, right. So, and, and then I do that, and then he yells, cut. Okay, moving on. Okay, so I go up to Michael Bay and I go, now what was that all about? I, 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 I don't understand. What, what were you trying to do? I mean, you can hardly see my face. He says, yeah, but don't you like the blue of that door? <laughs> and I just walked away and I go, like wow. The blue of that door. Now, now, I believe, at the time, I believe that's, that was the reason. I still believe that's the reason. But at the time, I kept on thinking he doesn't want me in the shot. He's trying to hide my face. But not only is it the blue of the door really great, but from the frame's point of view, yeah. it's the character that it explains a, a lot about, right? It's a good shot. It's, it's a, a good, good shot. shot. And it, it says something about the character I'm playing, that I open the door a little and there's this huge guy out there. It portends something. You know, it, it's he's using the 
everything. In other words, as a director, he's using the lighting, the door, the character, the situation. Like he's making the best of it, you know? Um, what are some of your own personal favorite films, like for yourself? Not what you've been in. Oh, oh, oh but just, okay. Well, th that I, I can, I, I get very excited because nobody ever asks me that. No, there's my favorite film or one of my favorite films. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Man Bites Dog Without a Question. That's my favorite film of all oh, time. I've heard of that. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a feature. It's black and white. It was done in 1968 or seven or nine. Uh, it's a student film that's been released. You can Google it. It's on Amazon, I think, called Man Bites Dog. It's a student film done by two, three German film students in Germany in a German film school. Uh, the, the, it's their senior project to, for graduation. They had to do a feature and they did a feature. They wrote it and directed it and used, you know, the, the, co the college, uh, you know, uh, stuff, yeah, all, all their equipment. Um, the premise is just great and the movie is incredible. What it is, is three college students the three college students wrote a movie about them making a film for graduation. That's oh, their okay. film. So three college students, those three students walk into a bar one night and they're trying to figure out what they're going to write for their college uh, graduation for, for their uh, to, to graduate. So they're sitting at the bar, they're drinking beer. It's at night. And um, there's a loud noise, so it's two, the two students, and there's a loud, noisy drunk, which is the third student. So they're all acting in it. The third, is a, there's a loud, noisy drunk right down the bar who, who's just making a, a terrible, bothering everybody. So one of the two says, hey, why don't we go talk to him? Because he seems to be bragging about something. So let's go talk to him and do a movie about him. You know, it's a, it's a film. So the two students go over to their drunk and they start talking to him. And he's just blabbering and he's just loud and he's noisy and he's stupid and he's telling jokes and he's just being, and they're, they're insistent now. They're gonna keep buying him drinks until they hit a nerve they find out to, to find out where he's coming from. You know, well, why is, and finally they get him drunk enough where he, he confesses to them, drunk, that he's a serial killer. And they go, what? And they go, yeah, yeah, seriously, I kill people, you know. And they go, wow, man, this is a great story. Let's follow him around. It's for, you know, for a graduation, that's a great story. So they convince him, they feed him a couple more drinks, they convince him to, to hit for him to let them follow him around while he kills people because they want to do a story about I'm, him. I'm going to watch this tonight. This, and, is, this sounds uh, Yeah, this is just a setup. And, 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 uh, and to convince him, he goes, Larry, what do you mean following me around? What, to killing people? He said, yeah, because you're going to be a star. This movie, even if you get captured, it doesn't matter. This is going to be a, you're going to be a star. This film will live forever. 
you know, if you let us follow you around, we'll make you forever. He goes, forever? Yeah. So he does it. The movie <laughs> is about, and they do it. And oh, it is a killer, man. And just be prepared. Pre be prepared. Not you, I know you're going to be cool. But anybody else listening to me. No, they do all the stations of the cross of what that means. They explore the three students. One, one played a drunk and the other plays a few students. They follow them around. But they explore that concept. And they really do. And uh, the proof is that that movie, Man Bites Dog, is still around. It's a, it's a, it's a German film school film. I, I can guarantee I'll watch it later. And my next show, I'll be putting it out there. Well, listen, I'm going to have to. Um, I'm going to have to. going to have to. I know we're going to have to. I know we're both busy. Um, <laughs> no, my really, blood is busy. I got I to work on the book. I mean, no, I know. I know you're, you're a more busier guy than me. But listen, this to me has been one of the best pleasures of this year. Oh, um, literally much. speaking to a living legend who I've watched and grew up with. Thank uh, you very much. It's been a very, very good show. Uh, I, it's a great show. I, I, I had a great no, time thank you. It has been a, a pleasure for you to come on. Thank you. I'm sorry, we, I, I could have kept this going forever. Uh, but I'm, again, we, that doesn't work. Well, I'll tell you what, when the book comes <laughs> out, when the book comes oh, out, yeah. that guy, let's do it again. I always we'll invite people to come back on. So when, when the book comes out, come back on well where can people follow you larry where can okay well uh, the, the book that there's two books i have two books that guy that will come out because I, I have to get a publisher but there's another book that i have out on it's on amazon and all the all the outlets it's called the loopholes dossier it's a oh, book of cool. satire it's just a book of uh, satiric fables and satiric oh. uh, bio biographies a biography That's of a so politician cool. and a biography of a homeless man and, uh, and seven uh, satirical fables. It's called The Loopholes Dossier, D-O-S-S-I-E-R, L-O-O-P-H-O-L-E-S, Loopholes Dossier, The Loopholes Dossier. So that's out there, that, that's pretty good read. Uh, don't bother about the cover, I don't like the cover at all, but the book <laughs> is really funny. Okay, I will, uh, I'll so that's it. Or, oh man, don't worry about the camera. <laughs> been a wild one. Listen, tonight we've been here with the legendary Larry Hankin. And it has been a fa fabulous show. I'll catch you next time, people. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank it's you. Bye-bye. Right? It is Tim. It is right? Tim. It is Tim. <laughs> okay. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Let me just hit that pause.